Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper, episode 27 of our 24-minute recaps. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms at YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on social media at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. So for today's episode, we're going to have four games talked about. The Lakers, I told you, I would save for tomorrow because I couldn't watch the game since it was at the same time as the Clips. Clippers and Heat will be first up, then the Suns and the Warriors, and then I will talk about two games that took place yesterday between the Celtics and Spurs, and then the Hawks and Nets, two dime dropper teams as well. So let's start out with the Clips, who are extremely shorthanded again today. No Kawhi, no PG due to contact tracing. No Patrick Beverly out with that sore knee. I really hope he gets well soon because he's always had injury problems since he's arrived here in LA, and he's such an integral part of the team. But the Heat were also shorthanded. No Jimmy Butler again. No Goran Dragic. But we saw the return of Tyler Hero. And in the beginning, it looked like the Heat were going to wax us. I mean, we could not buy a bucket. We couldn't make a layup, especially Serge Ibaka. You got guys like Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson. Gabe Vincent, out of nowhere. I don't even know if that was his career high or not. But he was hitting everything. The Heat were just rolling on all cylinders to start the game. And we ended the first quarter down 14 points, 33 to 19. We just didn't have it. I just thought it was going to be a long night. But then we responded, especially towards the end of the second quarter. They finally cooled down. And I honestly thought our energy defensively was pretty good all night. We we didn't have three of our best defenders, arguably our three best defenders. But the energy, the effort was there. And that's what you got to appreciate. And that stems from the coaching staff. The guys are motivated to play basically every single night. And as a fan, you can't ask for any more than that. And as the Heat started missing, we finally started hitting. And I thought Ivica Zubats came in and gave a great lift off the bench. He was protecting the rim. He was contesting all of Bam's little floaters and mid-ranges. And he was getting offensive rebounds. He had five offensive rebounds in the game, going up strong. He had six points, eight boards overall. Only played 21 minutes. And then Reggie Jackson started hitting some threes to end a little catch-and-shoot Reggie action to end the second quarter, which got us only down two at halftime. And I think that run, as Batum said in the postgame, changed the momentum of the game because in the third quarter, we had probably our best quarter of the season. It was Splash Mountain, as if I was at Disneyland. Oh my God, Nick Batum continues to be wetter than Niagara Falls. Serge Ibaka, how about a couple threes, even though he couldn't make a damn layup, but it was okay. Lou Williams, starting to get into the act himself. This was his best game in a little bit. And Luke Kennard, he he was one of six from three, but that one came in the third quarter. Even Terrence Mann hit a three late in the second quarter. And then Marcus Morris Sr. started hitting some shots in the fourth quarter. But we outscored the Heat in that third quarter, 40-19. to I thought Kennard did a really good job getting over screens. I thought we just did a good job on Bam, but I also thought that Bam just had an off night. Those were a lot of shots that we've seen him make this season. 
So, always, you need a little bit of luck sometimes. And Bam Adebayo was only 6 of 16. He had 16 points, 13 boards, 7 assists. Uh, Tyler Hero, 8 of 21, 1 of 6 from 3. I thought Kennard did a good job getting over screens. Except for in the fourth quarter when the Heat were making their push, we were letting Tyler Hero get over screens easily and have lanes to the basket wide open. But that third quarter, 40 to 19, that we outscored them. A lot of it came from Reggie Jackson pick and pop with Serge Ibaka pick and roll. And here's the thing: Ibaka's always going to be a pick and pop threat, and when he's that's why he's out there to spread the floor to make sure we have five guys that can shoot the ball. And when Reggie Jackson's coming off screens and hitting at the at the what's it called at the rate that he's hitting, um, at the rate that he's hitting. Then guys are going to start trapping, going to start hedging, going to start throwing two guys at Reggie Jackson, which leaves the roll man open or the pick and pop man open, which is usually, uh, which is usually um, uh, Surge. And Surge was doing a good job of making that extra pass to guys like Kennard and Nick Batum. And in the fourth quarter, you know what we say about road games? The, the, the home team is going to make a push, but it's all about if the road team can sustain that can answer to that and then finish the job. And that's exactly what we did. And I have to credit, even though fourth quarter, guys, 21 and 36 in favor of Miami. So we almost blew it. But Marcus Morris Sr. made some big shots and contested shots because that's the thing about Sr. He has the ability to make contested shots. And when you can make contested mid-ranges, contested turnarounds, he even makes contested threes, even though, once again, as I said, is the NBA getting better and better? Go check that out. Uh, a contested three is not a good shot for really anybody. Only a select few people. And Morris is honestly one of those people that it's not a horrendous shot. However, I never prefer a contested three in any situation. But we made some big plays down the stretch. Lou Williams with a steal and a layup. And I thought the game was over when that happened. But Reggie Jackson nearly pulled a Chris Webber. I mean, he did. Calling a timeout when we didn't have any left. And it almost came back to bite us. However, he did make some clutch free throws. And the Clippers came out with a gutsy, hard-earned victory in Miami. 14-5 and five now. 1-1 one and one without Paul George and Kawhi in this little run. I don't know how much longer it's going to last. I doubt they're going to be cleared to play tomorrow against Orlando. So we'll take on the Magic tomorrow in a back-to-back. I don't know how we're going to do because we're going to be tired, it seems, likely. But with the Lakers losing tonight, right now that leaves the Utah Jazz, as we talked about in the last couple episodes at the top, which everybody should hate. But with the Lakers losing, that makes tonight's win that much better. And... I'll take it. As long as we're not losing ground on the Lakers, who ultimately I still think are the best team in the conference, in the league, then it's okay. So big win for the Clips. You know what that means? That your boys' night is a great night. Let's move on to the Warriors and the Suns, who I'm not going to lie, I did miss the first quarter. I came in late. But I saw that the Warriors bench, like Wanamaker and those guys, are starting to get them back in the game. But it looked like the Warriors just had a tough time scoring tonight. You know, Steph had 27 points, but he also had four turnovers. Draymond only had two points. And I saw Draymond making some nice plays, but eventually the Warriors just struggled to score. And then you got to look at guys like Wiseman, who were two of nine. And then Damian Lee, who played great yesterday, 0 of three. How about Kelly Oubre? One of 11. He took five threes. He went back to that garbage he was doing before of taking like half his shots as threes. He only had four points. And I don't even think that the Suns played that great offensively. Suns fans may not like that I said that. I really don't think it was that great of an offensive night, especially in the first half. I mean, they only scored 16 points in the second quarter. Uh, Chris Paul, by the way, he's my favorite player of all time, basically. Him or Magic. But, you know, probably... Actually, no. Chris Paul's my favorite because he was a clipper. But... 
he he doesn't have the burst to get by big guys on switches anymore, it seems. Like, he gets... People will switch onto him, and he's... Even with the Clippers, he loves taking that that contested three where he looks like he's going to drive by you, and he lulls you to sleep, and then he shoots it and makes it. But, you know, I think teams have kind of... And big guys have gotten onto that strategy and know what Chris is going to do and are daring him to get by them, and he just doesn't have that burst. And DeAndre Ayton, I thought, was a little, again, soft tonight. 12 and 13. Yay, you won. Great. Five of seven, man. Seven points. I mean, seven shot attempts. Like, seriously. I like the bench, though. Jay Crowder, by the way, he went back. Uh, he started because Booker was out. I forgot to mention that. And I thought he was really good. In the third quarter, the Warriors were bailing the Suns out, though, with some careless fouls, especially against Crowder. One was at the three-point line. You know, one was going to the basket on a little hand-check action. But Jay Crowder was able to hit his shots. Two of five from three, four of eight from the field. This was a good bounce-back game for him. 16 points. And then Cam Johnson, 5 of 10 with 3 of 8 from the field. All the Suns starters were in double figures, so you got to like that. Chris Paul with 13. Mikael Bridges, though, 20 points, 6 of 10, taking it to the basket, getting to the line 8 times. thought that was good, and I thought that the Suns bench gave a big lift. Frank Kaminsky, honestly, was my player of the game. 12 points, 14 rebounds, 8 assists, and not bad defense at all. Abdul Nader, who's come in these last couple of games, uh, I think I don't know if it was right before Booker got injured or right when Booker got hurt, but 16 points for him, five boards, three assists. So to get uh, 28 points from Nader and Kaminsky, that's a big win for the Suns, not to mention eight from Langston Galloway in 20 minutes. So that's a great bounce-back victory. I'd hope for the Suns' case that Devin Booker comes back soon. Honestly, not for the Suns' case. I hope he comes back soon because, as I said, they're my second-favorite team this year because they got Chris Paul, and that's why we picked them. 9 and 8 for the Suns. Warriors dropped to 10 and 9. Not a great win for the not a great loss for the Dubs that breaks their little winning streak that they had. However, I don't expect that the Suns, I mean, looking at the schedule, I wouldn't expect the Warriors to win this game. Booker being out changes things, but I was really more looking at this game from a Suns fan's perspective because they're the ones that have been in trouble lately and they needed this win. So they got it. Warriors dropped to 10 and 9. We'll talk about them another time. Uh, or I'm sorry, next game. Let's move on to the Celtics and the Spurs from yesterday. Very interesting game, right? This was the first Celtics game this season with Kemba, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. And they all started out really well. I thought they were really aggressive and pick and roll, attacking the basket, not settling, getting into the mid-range. And I thought that DeRozan, for like, this is what, our sixth or seventh time watching the Spurs this season, was good again. And when DeRozan's aggressive, getting to the basket and taking guys one-on-one, getting into his mid-range area, he's hard to guard. It's really just his, you know, mentality and willingness to be aggressive at times that kind of I've always I've always hurt him, in my opinion. But the Celtics led by five after one. I thought it was a really good start for the, the big three, plus Marcus Smart. Second quarter, though. Celtics bench came in, and I thought that uh, Ojale, Naismith, Rob Williams, Teague, Played good defense in that second quarter. Javante Green, too. But all of a sudden, in like the last five minutes, the Celtics completely capitulated. Like completely. And a lot of these were on Patty Mills and LaMarcus Aldridge, high pick and pops. And guys, that is becoming one of the most lethal plays in the NBA now. I don't know why teams aren't just either hedging hard on Patty Mills the second he comes off the screen or just blitzing him at this point. Because you cannot give Patty Mills any room off the screens. Like he is hitting. And because of LaMarcus Aldridge's ability, your big man, you know, if he's going to show and hedge or if he's going to drop, he's going to, like DeMarcus Aldridge is going to get a good look. So... (laughs) Uh, at this point 
you got to force them to make that cross-court pass like the Nuggets do or like just pass it to anybody that's not LaMarcus Aldridge and get the ball out of Patty Mills' hands because it's, it's becoming very lethal. But anyway, they were getting shots off of that. So the Celtics started going small. But then the Celtics, when they went small, the, the, the Spurs could take all their guys one-on-one and they were playing very poor individual defense for the Celtics. A lot of different guys. Nobody in particular stood out to me, but just not good individual defense. Keldon Johnson, who has shown me a lot actually so far this season, showed me that he can hit open threes, showed me that he's a long, good defender, and shows me that he can get to the rim off the catch. And honestly, on people sometimes. I need to, I need to you know, focus on the Spurs more to see if, he's, if he can take guys off the dribble like just one-on-one as opposed to off a swing. However, he looked really good. And the Celtics had some terrible turnovers, like turnovers on the inbounds. And by the way, just because I forgot to mention this, Amir Coffey tonight with the steals on the inbounds and just just having great activity for the Clippers, he needs a shout-out tonight. And Terrence Mann, both of them. But back to the Celtics, very careless turnovers. At the end of the second quarter, they got scored on or had some eight-second violation or something. And then on the inbounds, I couldn't believe it. Tatum or someone, I think it was Tatum, just threw the ball in bounds because they thought that the quarter was going to end with like two seconds left. And Lonnie, it was straight to Lonnie Walker who put up an eight-footer like floater and made it at the buzzer. Before you know it, the Celtics were down by nine points, I think, at the half. Yeah, it was it was 47 to 61. So they're down by 14 points at half because of that terrible ending to the second quarter. Very careless. Lonnie Walker, by the way, he's a player. He can score. He can score all right. But... We go to the second half, and the Celtics responded great in the third quarter. And Brad Stevens made the Celtics go to a zone. It was a 2-1-2 zone, and it caused the Spurs a lot of problems. Caused the Spurs a lot of problems. And Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, especially Jason Tatum, I thought Jalen missed a lot of good looks, even though he still finished 8 of 19, but that's lower than his season average. He was missing some good looks. 3 of 6 from 3, but there were mostly 2s in like the in-between game that he was missing. Some of it was good defense by the Spurs, but I thought Jason Tatum in the third quarter was really good when he was getting in the post. And I love that from Tatum. If his favorite player is Kobe, then, you know, Kobe is, one. once I said in, once again, as I said in, is the NBA getting better and better? Go check it out. If you have a post-up game and a face-up game, that takes you to a whole nother level as a scorer. And that is why Kobe Bryant is arguably arguably the greatest scorer of all time, or up there. And it's um it was it was a, a great clinic from Tatum in the low mid post. He was getting buckets. I loved it. Turnarounds over both shoulders. We talk about that. And the Celtics got got the lead again. And then the fourth quarter. Really fascinating. You know, Keldon Johnson, DeJounte Murray started feeling it a bit. Lonnie Walker, just an overall good game from a lot of Spurs. Jakob Pertl, 12 points for Patty Mills, by the way. However, it came down to the wire. And the by the way, I don't know why Brad Stevens didn't put Grant Williams in in the first half. He was a plus five. He plays great defense. I don't know why he didn't play. He's usually uh, a mainstay in the Celtics team. But yeah, the Celtics, you know... Their their rim protection is a bit of a concern, but that's something we knew coming into the season. It's something they're gonna have to get, you know find a way to get through. But late in the game, guys, it's a tie game. Jason Tatum is like working it, getting them back in it. Kemba's making some big shots in the fourth. Demar Derozan rose up for a classic off the screen pull up mid range over Tristan Thompson. It was water. It was beautiful, tough shot. The Celtics come back. Kemba Walker was stripped by DeJounte Murray. Like, straight up textbook, crossover, poke at the other side. 
steal. And that basically ended the game, even though the Celtics did have a chance down three to tie it. Marcus Smart had a really good look in the corner and didn't get it to go. 14 points for Smart, 6 of 15, 2 of 7 from 3. He cooled off second half. What a steal by DeJounte Murray, though, on Kemba Walker to get that win. For the Celtics, it was just a weird game. I think that end of the second quarter really ruined it, but I also think Jalen Brown's just not going to miss a lot of those shots. Like, seriously. I don't think it's that big of a concern, Celtics fans. Also, I think, though, you guys are playing against Western Conference teams. That's what happens. That's who we have to play three to four times a year. And trust me, Seeing the Spurs on the schedule now is nothing like it was five years ago, ten years ago. That was a nightmare. Anyway, let me end it off with the Nets and the Hawks, two dime dropper teams. It was a really interesting game. Eh, it was interesting, I should say. Not very interesting. But the Nets started out with each of the big three getting going, getting some nice shots. I thought that they didn't do a good enough job, though, of incorporating Joe Harris. He only shot six times. That may have been his lowest shot attempts all season. Although he was in foul trouble. He he did get fouled out, but he played 39 minutes. So that's a good amount. I thought that, obviously, you know, and that's one thing that's going to be challenging for Brooklyn, shot distribution. And Kevin Durant, Kyrie, Harden, I thought they all played pretty well. They were having some trouble, though, early in the game. DeAndre Jordan on Trey Young, dropping way too deep. And Trey Young was getting into this floater game. However, I'll tell you what with Trey Young. He's got a good floater game, but his mid-range pull-up is just not good. And that's something that teams should look to try to get him to do. But it's hard going over screens on pick and roll with him because you can't go under screens with Trey. But he was starting to hit. And also, another thing that came out of the, the Nets defending was that Kyrie Irving was guarding DeAndre Hunter for large portions of the game. And I love that the DeAndre Hunter, against smaller guys, he doesn't have a post-up game necessarily, but he uses his strength and length to get within around 10 feet and get a shot that he likes. And I really like that because he was scoring on, on Kyrie. And the it was a very even game. Like, the Nets were scoring, but they weren't exploding. And they couldn't really get stops like that. And there were no real crazy standouts for me, though, for Atlanta, honestly. I thought, although I did think in his 14 minutes of play, Danilo Gallinari, as we've talked about with the Hawks, gave him a different look, being able to post up and just hit contested shots from 12 feet, and nothing, nobody can do anything about it. He's 6'10". So that was a great sign, and, and slowly getting Gallo back into the fold for Atlanta is going to be big time. I thought Cam Reddish was really awesome, but honestly, he scored 24 points, but a lot of it was very quiet, just on like drives to the basket, and going left especially, he had some nice finishes. But that's a great sight for the Hawks. Remember what I said? He's an X-Factor. And I think that's part of why they kept the game close. Cam Reddish, 24 points. And it was neck-to-neck. It was tied at the half. You know, Atlanta had a four-point lead going into the fourth. But ultimately, it was it came down to, to overtime. I thought, though, uh, Bruce Brown, in the fourth quarter, he forced three turnovers. Some of them on Trey. He was finishing layups. James Harden was... Really turning it up again in the fourth quarter. Some really nice passes. And all night, James Harden just made some great passes. 15-3 to assist-to-turnover ratio for James Harden. 5-1. to That's what I'm talking about. That's much better. And I thought Kyrie Irving was much better at not forcing it. Listen to this stat line. 1 of 3 from 3. 11 of 17 from the field. So 14 of his shots were twos. And he had 26 points, 4 boards, and 7 assists as a result. Kyrie had some layups in the layup package, like the full-on Kyrie Irving classic layup package. Kevin Durant, it's just so routine for him. And in the fourth quarter, it was a close game, tied up. 
I, I forgive me for forgetting, uh, um, Dime Dropper fam. I don't remember the exact last possession of regulation. All I remember is that the Nets went to OT. Jeff Green gave some good minutes in the fourth quarter, but ultimately the class prevailed. The Nets with James Harden. I thought he was he was the player of the game for me. 31 points, 8 rebounds, 15 assists on 9 of 20 and 5 of 9 from 3. Oh, by the way, Trey Young was ref baiting so much. It was so unbearable. That's actually the main reason why the game was like that was because Trey Young was ref baiting so much to the point where the there was no flow in the game. So the Nets couldn't really get any easy baskets. It was all half court. And when you can keep them in the half court and they don't get easy baskets, we talked about it with Brooklyn. It's cool, but it ain't hurting two people too bad until they can really show that they can get stops consistently on the defensive end. It, only one guy can score at a time with KD, Kyrie, and Harden. So it is what it is. Every team in the NBA has threats. So the final, the Nets did come out with the win. Some big shots in the big three. 132 to 128. I still think that they needed to incorporate some other guys better. But all that matters is the win. That's 5-2 and two now with James Harden, if I'm not mistaken, which is very solid. They keep improving. I heard Norvell Pell is set to suit up for them soon. So we'll see if that helps with any rim protection. I don't really know too much about his game. But I know that I think that's what they're bringing him in for. I thought DeAndre Jordan was okay. 5 of 5. Similar thing. But he played less minutes. 22. Because I don't think they wanted him in pick and roll with Trey. I thought Trey was okay. His stat line looked bad. But I think he played better than his stat line for once. 28 points. 14 assists. And he only had 3 turnovers. That's a really solid assist to turnover ratio. 7 to 22 from the field, though. 3 of 8 from 3. 11 to 12. I think, honestly, the best thing for the Nets was that they kept Capella at bay to an extent. 9 points, 11 boards, but he's been playing even better than that. I didn't really notice Capella too much in the game. Only 4 for 10. DeAndre Hunter, 21 points, 7 to 12. I thought he was good. John Collins at 21, but it was fairly, fairly quiet, honestly. It was just off open shots, mostly, and, you know, easy ones. But... Yeah, a solid win for the Nets. Not terrible loss for the Hawks at all, honestly. They competed really well. 9 of 9 for them. Once again, for the Hawks, it's going to come down to beating those easy teams that they should beat. The Nets aren't one of them. The Nets are starting to find some momentum, though, guys. So let's watch out for them as they move on to their next game. I know we're seeing them soon. That's going to be it for tonight, guys. Lakers will be coming tomorrow along with the other games that are going to happen tomorrow. I don't even know what they are. I think the Clippers are playing the Magic, so that'll be covered. So I think I'm going to probably watch the Laker game, likely tonight, maybe, something like that. But thanks for joining me, guys. Let me know what you think. Now we're going to go to the live subscribers waiting oh so patiently in the chat. Super Chat's turned on. If you want to drop a dime or dollar for your boy, thank you, good night, and peace. 23 minutes instead of 24, going Jordan style tonight. Later.